Just over a week ago, your pastors and elders got back from our annual denominational gathering, which took place this year at a church in Denver, Colorado. At one point during the meeting, we took the action of appointing a permanent committee on disaster relief, a group of people who would permanently be tasked with responding to natural disasters in this world, making sure that our denomination is directing aid to those people who so desperately need it. And then five minutes later, this happened. Fifth, General Assembly. On behalf of the committee, I so move it. As this comes from committee, it does not need a second. Mr. Moderator, I would like to invite our assistant stated clerk, teaching elder Michael Davis, to come and speak briefly to this Excuse recommendation. Excuse me, we are under a tornado warning. Look at their faces. What do we do? What's the procedure? Well, it's a warning, so that means they've seen it. Uh, so, what a. Uh, Can someone from Cherry Hills Church inform us as to the safest location? Please, nobody leave the building. No sure. one's got any idea. The safest location to move to in the building? Anybody from Cherry Hills? Anyone? Let's take a motion to recess. Second. All in favor say aye. We're in recess. Please head out into the atrium area. We'll give you directions momentarily. <laughs> no one was expecting a tornado. In fact, the church had never experienced a tornado in its history before. I I'd never been in a tornado before. I was like, what do I do? Drop cover and hold? Like, what, what is this? <laughs> Thankfully, the church itself had a plan, and they put it into action. They sent us into basements, interior bathrooms, interior hallways. They kept us safe. No one was hurt. The church was prepared. In today's scripture passage, we're going to hear another warning. Not a tornado warning this time, but a warning about something much more serious for which we must be ready. My name's Ellis. I'm one of the pastors here at Chapel Hill. Welcome. This morning, we're continuing our journey through Luke's gospel, one of the four biographical accounts of Jesus in the Bible. Today, we're going to be hearing a section of Jesus's teaching that is found in Luke chapter 12. So if you want to grab a Bible or your phone, turn there now, Luke chapter 12. Jesus is teaching many thousands of people Luke says at the beginning of this chapter, who are gathered together. And amongst those people are Jesus' disciples, his followers. And after Jesus does some teaching on money and anxiety, which we're actually going to talk about later on this year in a, a, a short sermon series we'll do in November, Jesus begins his own emergency warning moment. And we find that beginning in verse 35. So Luke 12, beginning in verse 35. This is Jesus speaking. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch, or in the third, 
and finds them awake. Blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. This is the word of the Lord. When my wife, Rachel, who you just met, she was just up here, was pregnant with our kids, I recall how we were prepared to drop everything at a moment's notice and go straight to the hospital. We had the bags packed, we had the car seat in the car, we had the car filled up with gas to make sure that at any moment we could drive across the bridge. And when that, that moment finally came with our firstborn, Evelyn, we were actually at home and, and Rachel's waters broke. And I'm kind of ashamed to say, I said to Rachel, oh, great. Would it be all right if I cooked some dinner before we left? I was not ready. Thankfully, we made it. But just in time, two minutes after we got into the birthing suite, Evelyn was born. Whew. Jesus' message to his listeners in this passage is simple. Be ready. Don't be like Ellis. Through a variety of images and two parables, Jesus tells those who are listening that they must always be ready for his return because it will happen when they do not expect it. One of the key beliefs of the Christian church is that Jesus who has ascended into heaven following his resurrection, will one day return to earth. And in the passage we just read, Jesus is referring to that return. He uses two parables. First, the parable of a wedding. Jesus tells his listeners, verse 36, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. The image is of a man who goes out to attend a wedding feast and leaves his servants at home to look after the house. Now, the servants don't know at what time the master is going to return home. It actually kind of reminds me of when I was a teenager and I used to go out in the evenings with my friends. My parents would say to me, Alice, what time are you going to be coming home tonight? And I'd tell them an answer, but honestly, I had no idea. I knew I was lying to them. Don't do this, kids. Could be midnight, could be 2 a.m., could be 4 a.m. I didn't know. I could, I could spend the night at a friend's house. In the same way, Jesus says that the master of the house who's gone out to the wedding feast could come back at any time during the night, maybe in the early hours of the morning. But whatever time it is, the servants must be ready for the master's return. And those who are ready, Jesus says, will be blessed. So that's the first parable, parable about a wedding. And then Jesus tells a second parable about a thief. Verse 39, Jesus says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. Last December, I was pinged by our home security system. We have one of those ring doorbell cameras. And uh, you know when your neighbors post a video, it like alerts you to that? Well, our neighbors nearby posted a video of someone trying to break into their house at 4 a.m. in the morning while they were sleeping. A little bit frightening, a little bit scary. This is the image that Jesus is using here. 
We don't know when or if a thief might try and break and enter. And Jesus says, so we must be ready for that occasion. So two parables, right? A man returning from a wedding feast and a thief breaking into a home. Both images of people returning or entering rather a house at an unknown time. And both images that require the people in the home to be ready. In the first image, the wedding, if the people are ready, if the servants are ready, they'll be blessed. In the second image, if the people, the owner of the house is not ready, they will be robbed. And both of these parables are used to illustrate the main point that Jesus gives us in verse 40. He says, you also must be ready. Why? For the Son of Man, that's how Jesus refers to himself, the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus will return, but we don't know when, so we must be ready. Just like when my wife was pregnant, we knew that that baby was going to come, but we just didn't quite know when. And so we always had to be ready. In the same way, Jesus is going to return. We don't know when, so we must always be ready. But of course, this begs the question, what does it look like to be ready? Well, Jesus answers that question in the following verses, but he he does so in response to a question that Peter has. Peter is one of Jesus' closest followers, and, and Peter wants to know from Jesus, who is it that you're speaking to right now? Are you speaking to the many thousands of people who are here, or are you speaking to us, your disciples, your closest followers? This is verse 41. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us, the disciples, or for all, everyone who is gathered here? And Jesus' response to Peter's question doesn't seem to immediately answer the question, but that's because Jesus' response is yes. Jesus is telling the parable for both the disciples and for the crowds. Let's take a look at how Jesus says this. Verse 42, and the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Back in 2002, before the Marvel Cinematic Universe was a thing, the first of a three-part Spider-Man trilogy of movies uh, uh, came out. Tobey Maguire starred as Spider-Man himself, and in many ways, I think these movies kicked off the domination of superhero movies we've seen in the last two decades. But there's a scene in this movie where Peter Parker, who, if you don't know, he's Spider-Man, Um, he's sitting in a car with his Uncle Ben. Now, little do either of them know that his Uncle Ben is about to die, and this is the last conversation they're ever going to have. And in this final conversation, unbeknownst to Uncle Ben, he offers a, a pearl of wisdom to Peter, who's just used his newfound abilities to hurt someone. This is what Uncle Ben says. He says, just because you can beat him up doesn't give you the right to. With great power comes great responsibility. 
And in many ways, Jesus' message in these verses is the very same thing. Just because you can beat them up doesn't give you the right to. With great power comes great responsibility. See, Jesus in these verses tells another parable. This time, it's about a manager who's been given responsibility of taking care of his master's household while his master is away. And Jesus says the manager has two choices. Either he can use the power that has been entrusted to him to honor the master by taking care of the master's servants and property, or he can use that power for his own self-advantage by abusing his master's servants and property. Now, Jesus is saying that we, human beings, are managers or stewards of the world that God has given us. God is the the master, but he has entrusted his world into our care. We read this back in the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man or, or humankind in our image after our likeness and let them have, say this word together, dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God has given humankind dominion over all creation. Just like in the parable Jesus told, where the manager had been given dominion over the master's household, we have been given as human beings dominion over creation. We have been given great power. Just like in Jesus' parable, one day there will be a reckoning for how we have used that power. In the parable Jesus tells, the manager who wisely uses his power to take good care of the master's servants and property, that manager is blessed when the master returns. But for the manager who abuses his master's servants and property, well, that language is pretty strong. Verse 46, Jesus says, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. The consequences for abusing the power that the master has given are severe. This is one of the highest condemnations of Jesus. It's one of the most graphic images that Jesus uses. Cut him to pieces. And then, Jesus turns the screw on the disciples, so to speak. You remember Peter's question? Are you telling this for us or for all? Well, Jesus is about to answer that question. Jesus says this, verse 47, And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Jesus says that those who know the will of the master, and by that he's referring to the disciples, they know the will of God because Jesus has revealed it to them. Jesus says those who will know the will of the master and do not act according to that will, will receive a more severe beating than those who never knew his will, which is likely a reference to the crowds. 
In other words, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, will be judged more harshly than the crowds because Jesus has revealed to them God's will. With great power comes great responsibility. And the disciples will be held responsible for what they have done with the greater power and knowledge that they have been given. And this is a very serious warning. Indeed, if you call yourself, like I do, a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, we are called to a higher standard. We know God's will because he has revealed it to us by his spirit in his word. And as a result, we have a greater responsibility to take care of our master's people and property We followers of Jesus have a greater responsibility to love and serve and take care of the world and the people of this world and those who don't follow Jesus. We have a higher calling. With great power comes great responsibility. The reality is every single one of us has failed at this calling. Not a single one of us can say that we have always treated our Lord's people and creation with total care. We are all guilty of causing hurt and pain in our relationships with others. We're all guilty of using God's creation for our own selfish ends. And according to Jesus, since we know God's will, we deserve a severe beating. But here's the good news. That severe beating has already been dealt The prophet Isaiah prophesied that one day a servant of the Lord would come and he would be pierced for our transgressions. He would be crushed for our iniquities. Upon him would be the chastisement that brings us peace. And with his wounds, we will be healed. And that servant of the Lord is Jesus himself. In the first parable Jesus told in today's passage, where he's the master returning from the wedding feast, there's this beautiful reversal of roles that takes place. Jesus says, verse 37, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he, the master, will dress himself for service and have them, the servants, recline at table. And he, the master, will come and serve them, the servants. And that is exactly what Jesus has done for us. The God of the universe dressed himself for service by taking upon himself human flesh, taking the role of a servant, but not just any servant. In and of himself, Jesus is the only one who's carried out his service without fault. He is the only one who deserves the true blessing of the master. And yet, Jesus takes upon himself the severe beating that we, and we alone, deserve. In becoming obedient to death on the cross, Jesus is cut to pieces. Jesus is put out with the unfaithful. Jesus receives the severe beating we deserve, and in his place, we are invited to recline at the master's table. We are invited to receive his service. We are invited to feast on the delights of his victory for us. We are given life and life abundant. When the Lord returns in glory to judge the world in truth and righteousness, we will be found righteous, not on account of anything that we have done, but purely and solely on the account of the work of Jesus himself. Jesus is the just 
judge judged in our stead. Jesus is the only one who deserves blessing, and yet he gives that blessing to us and instead takes the curse of sin upon himself. What wonderful news. Amen? There is only one precondition, according to Jesus, for him to serve us. And that is that we must be awake. Verse 37, again, says this. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds, what? Awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. And this morning... Jesus is asking you, have you been awakened to the reality of who he is? Most of us, I would think in this room, have been, but I wouldn't doubt that there are some people here today who have not yet been awakened to the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done. And perhaps this morning, the Spirit of Christ is stirring within you and beginning to breathe new life into you, beginning to awaken you to this reality of what Jesus has done for you. And if that's you, in a moment, I want to invite you to pray and ask that God would bring to completion that work of awakening in your life. But for most of us, we've been awakened to this reality, this glorious reality. We know what Jesus has done for us. We rejoice in it. And for those of us who already know this reality, I want to invite you to join me, your pastors, and your elders in praying that God would awaken many others to this reality. Your pastors and elders, your church session, as we call it, believe that God is calling our church to a year of sustained prayer for revival, for awakening. That's what revival means, awakening. Praying and calling upon the Lord to awaken his church, to awaken our community, to awaken our nation to his presence. We believe God is calling us to commit, to pray daily for the next year that he would awaken his people. And if you want to be a part of that call, you can participate in the ways Pastor Rachel shared about earlier. You can head to the special webpage we've set up chapelhillpc.org slash daily prayer. You can pick up one of those prayer guides at the wood wall. You can like us on our social media channels where we'll be posting prayer prompts every day. You can download the app and turn on push notifications so that you get those prayer prompts sent directly to your phone. We are going to join together and commit to pray for a year every single day that God would awaken his church. God would awaken his community. God would awaken our nation to the reality of the servant of the Lord who took the severe beating on our behalf and instead turns around and serves us so that we receive the blessing he alone deserves. And we're going to start right now. So would you pray with me? Jesus, we come to you and we praise you and we glorify you that you took our place. You alone deserve blessing and yet you took the beating. You were cut to pieces. You were put out with the unfaithful. That instead, we might come to your table and feast on the delights of the master's blessing. Lord Jesus, what wondrous news. And if there are 
any here this morning who have not yet been awakened to that reality, who have not accepted the work that Jesus has done for them, I pray for them right now. And if that's you, and you know that the the Spirit of God is stirring you this morning and saying, you need to believe this, you need to accept this, you need to center your life around this truth, then I invite you to pray these words in your heart. Say, thank you, Father, that you love me, that you sent your Son to come and serve me, Say, sorry that I've gone my own way. Sorry that I've rejected you for so long. Please forgive me for that. Thank you for taking the beating on my behalf. And now pour out the blessing of your spirit upon my life. Give me life and life abundant. I choose to follow Jesus from this point forward. Lord, bless those who prayed that prayer. And Lord, I pray for every single one of us that you would awaken us more and more to the reality of the work that you have done in and through Christ Jesus. Lord, if there are things of which we need to repent, we need to turn away from, reveal those to us by your Spirit this morning. Awaken us to the reality of our sin that we may turn from it. Lord, make us wise stewards of the resources you have entrusted to us. Help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us to love this world that you have given us dominion over. Awaken us, Lord. Revive us. And we pray for our community, that people would be awakened in this community. Lord, would your church, not just Chapel Hill, but every single church in this community as one together be a light to this world. Would many be drawn to that light? Would believers share the gospel in word and in deed? Lord, would you break the power of self-sufficiency over this community? Would you make us wholly dependent upon you? Awaken us to the reality that we trust in ourselves more often than we trust in you. Break that power over us. Awaken us to how good and great and awesome you are, how much you want to pour out your blessings upon us. Awaken us to that. And Lord, awaken our nation. Turn this nation to the Lord. Those who've turned away from him, turn them back. Those who've never turned to him, awaken them that they may see the reality of who the Lord Jesus is. And we pray for our leaders. Would you raise up godly men and women to lead this nation? Would you give them wisdom so that they may discern the mind of Christ and lead out of that so that our nation might be revived, might be awakened to the reality of who the Lord Jesus is. We commit ourselves as a church to pray for this in the next 12 months. And Lord, we ask that you would use our prayers, the prayer of a righteous person, we're righteous in Christ, has great power and effect. And so Lord, would you have power and effect with our prayers today and throughout this next year, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Thanks for joining us today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington. Our worship services are Sundays at 9 and 10.30. We hope to see you there. To learn more about our upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org. God, we wait. You're coming soon. Jesus Christ.